Good morning. Oh man, was this a fantastic week of weather here? Yeah, beautiful fall. I have to say though, I missed it. I was driving all day Monday, all day Tuesday, and halfway through the day on Wednesday, I arrived in Yuma, Arizona, and my first job when I arrived in town and pulled up in front of my mom's park model was to take a picture and to text all my siblings. It said this, the national treasure has arrived. She is safe and secure. Um, and, and that's my mom, by the way. That's what we call her, our national treasure. Here's the thing. I just want to let you know today, I was thinking about this even in, in worship, is that, you know, as much as I love her and think she's just an amazing woman who's changed my life in so many ways, God thinks that of you today. And I want to preface our talk today with that because our talk today is going to we're going to be talking about doing something, right? And it's so important when we do something that we don't do it to get love, but that we know we're loved. And so I just feel like God wants you to know that you are his treasure. He says that in the Bible. He calls us his treasure. He says that we're engraved on the palm of his hand. He says we're the apple of his eye. And today he wants you to know that, and he wants that to be the foundation then for talking about doing anything because we're not going to earn anything today. We're just going to respond to this God who loves us. We're talking about life on purpose, part two. And I'm merely the appetizer in terms of what I have to say. There's three people who are going to share with you amazing stories out of their lives. And I'm just going to kick that off. So Jared brought up the football game, I have to say. I mean, go Ducks. How'd they do? Yeah? (laughs) Okay, that's leading somewhere, I promise. Okay, the, how many of you know what the mantra, slogan, you know, motto was for the Ducks? That it was instigated by Chip Kelly, okay, their former coach. Say it out loud. Yeah, win the day. Yeah, I even put a picture up there for you, you know, so you can bask in that. But, you know, as inspiring as that was and is, Willie Taggart has changed the tagline for the Ducks, and it started this year. Who knows what that one is? Do something. That's right. Do something. Okay. Now, I want you to all say that together with me. Okay. On the count of three. One, two, three. Do something. Okay. Because the big idea today is this, that God uses who we are to bring his love and life to others. So do something. So do something. And I want to just mention three things out of one verse. I don't know if you've ever done a one-verse Bible study. It's real important that the verse fits in the context, but this is a one-verse Bible study, folks. Ephesians 2.10, one of our memory verses from Rooted. It goes this way. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works that God has prepared in advance for us to do. Three things from this verse that God wants to remind us of today and set the stage for these three amazing stories And it's this, that Paul could have written, he could have written about I and me, but it's not. The first thing is that everyone is included in God's purposes. He uses we and us instead of me. He could have said, I am God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he prepared in advance for me to do, but he didn't. He could have said, some of us are God's handiwork. But he didn't. 
He said, we are God's handiwork. Everyone is included in God's purposes. He wants you to know that today, no matter what your story is. Because in just a few minutes, we're going to hear from these three wonderful people, and each of them has a unique story. And yet, all of them are being used by God to share his love in his big world. So today, you are included. And I want you to know that some of you have disqualified yourselves from sharing God's love and life in the world around you before you've even tried or gotten started. And God is saying today that there's no exceptions to his plans for us to share his love with others. And today, he's going to speak to some of you and nudge some of you to get off the sidelines today and into the action because he has plans for you. Number two is that God wants to use who we are to make a difference in his big world. What did Paul say? We are God's handiwork. We are his masterpiece, one translation says. We are his, we are his poema is the Greek word there. And it really means his poem. You are an amazing creation, very unique. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared in advance for each one of us. So what this is reminding us of is that each one of us is uniquely gifted and wired. We each have unique temperaments. Each one of us is equipped to do different kinds of things to make a difference in his world. And he has prepared good works for each one of us, ways to make a difference in his world for each one of us, you and me, that come out of who he's designed us to be. He has perfectly designed us for his purposes. But some of us have already decided the kind of person that God can use, the kind of person that he will use. And we've decided this is what that kind of person looks like. This is what that kind of person acts like. This is the way that person would be gifted. This is the kind of temperament that God really loves and super uses. And this is the kind of person whose personality really fits who Jesus is. And because of that, we keep ourselves on the sidelines. So I want us to stop for a minute. I'm going to ask you to stand up right where you are. And what I want you to do is look around the room. Make eye contact with as many people as you can in this room. Yeah. Good job. Good job. You can have a seat. Here's the deal. He just wants to remind us today, and it is a reminder, that every personality type, every temperament, every uh, emotional quotient person, every IQ, every Enneagram, every strength finder's set of strengths, every set of gifts, and particularly every life story are used by God to love others and make a difference in the world. And when it comes to God's purposes, he just wants to remind us that no one, and I mean no one, is left out or left behind. You are in that picture as well. Third thing from this verse is this, that God has a to-do list for each of us. So those of you achievers out there on Strength Finders, I mean, you love this because this is how you operate, right? A to-do list. But God honestly does. That's what this verse tells us, that he's prepared things in advance 
to do. Okay, let's look at what Paul said. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared in advance for us to what? To do. That's right. Um, This is not an earn God's love kind of list, but it's a living life fully list. It's a living life the way we were designed to live it. It's a living life the way Jesus modeled it kind of list. And it is a grand adventure that none of us could or would have ever been able to put together for us. That's what his to-do list is for us. So notice to do, okay? Not just think about, not just talk about, not just contemplate, and yes, Christians, not just pray about, okay? Great starting point to pray, but it's not enough to just pray. Then God wants us to do something. I know some of you are going, Anne, I know you're an activator, so you love this passage. But it really is true that it's about doing. And I want to suggest to you today that we need to adopt the duck's latest mantra. Do something. Evergreen, as a church, let's do something in God's big world with an emphasis on something. Something. Something that matches who you are. Something that comes out of your passions and matches up with a need in God's big world. There's something for everyone here. So what keeps us on the sidelines from responding to God's plans for you and I? Well, I want to mention the two most common, fear and unbelief. That unbelief is the unbelief that God can't use me. Okay, that's unbelief because that's not the truth. That's not what God said. So we get to choose to believe that we can be used. So I'd like you to get ready to hear how you can move past those kinds of obstacles as you listen to these three people who are going to share today. And our first speaker is Renee Jacoby. And Renee landed here from Spokane, Washington, several years ago. And she wasn't quite done with high school when she came here. Now, how many of you know that it is no, very few people's dream to leave high school toward the end and start all over in another place? Yeah, not, most of us don't dream of that. But you know what? Renee embraced it with gusto. She graduated. She went on to attend Portland Community College. And in the middle of that, God interrupted her. He interrupted her with an intersection of her dream and something to do in God's big world. Here's Renee to share that story with you. Come on down, Renee. Would you welcome her? Hello, everybody. Good morning. Hi. So, yeah, I was going to Portland Community College for a little while and just taking general studies classes because I've been really indecisive about what I wanted to do with my future for a long time. But the thing I have known for for I don't know, since I was little, was that I wanted to combine art with missions. I've loved art. I love serving. And I wanted, I wanted to figure out a way that I can do both at the same time. And so I did a little research um, into Youth with a Mission, or YWAM, because I know they have lots of different opportunities for mission work. And I found a program called Photogenics, and they do um, photography missions, which I was like, this is perfect for me. I love it. Okay, awesome. So I applied, got accepted, and in April I set out um, to do my six-month discipleship training school. And unfortunately, the school was in Kona, Hawaii, and I (laughs) had (laughs) to have ocean views and palm trees, and it was just awful. But um, 
on the, contrary to some people, uh, what some people think, I did actually go to class and learn, and I read my Bible. I finished the Bible in the six months, which is cool. But um, so the first three months of the, the six-month discipleship training school is called lecture phase, and that was the part that was in Hawaii. And so every week we'd have a new lecture or um, professor come in and give us teachings, and then we'd read our Bible, and, um, and then in the afternoons we'd have our photography lessons. And it was just such a fun time to really just kind of soak in God and God's presence and and you basically, the training time is to get yourself to a point in your relationship with God to where you are so filled with him and so confident in your love with, um, for uh, his love for you that you just want to go and tell everybody. And so that's why they have the outreach phase, which is the next three months. And we ended up going to Europe. So um, a team of 13 photographers and a little baby and I, we went to Europe. Um, we took this picture, and my school leaders are in the middle, and they're like, we look like an Asian family who adopted all these, these people. Because <laughs> <laughs> there's some people from Chile, Switzerland, Brazil, Canada, and then the U.S. So we had a very international team, which was really fun. So um, our first stop was Switzerland, which was it was awful again, obviously. <laughs> so it's a horrible place for missions. No, we got to spend two weeks there at a jazz festival. And we were a part of this big group of all these different organizations coming together um, at the jazz festival to do performances and acting and singing and um, put on kids' events and stuff um, at the festival, but in the afternoons, my team and I, we would go out on this little dock on Lake Geneva and hold up signs that said, come get free photos with somebody that you love, and we would um, print out these photos that we would take, because we took little portable printers everywhere with us, and it was so fun, because we'd take pictures, print them out, and then write a prophetic word on the back, and that was actually very challenging, because we had learned about hearing God's voice back in lecture phase, but to have just met someone like a minute earlier and then give them the prophetic word was a little difficult. But it was so cool to see God show up and people were so encouraged and loved receiving these free photos um, just, just to commemorate that time and to make memories. And it was also a really cool tool to share the gospel and build relationships that way. Our next stop, we went to Germany, and we stayed in a YWAM base there, and it was surrounded by a lot of refugee homes. And so all the kids from these homes would flock to the base during the, the summer days, and we got to get to know them, and we decided to do a project with them and their dreams. So we had them write on a piece of paper their, their dreams for the future, and or write it out, and we'd take pictures of them with their, with their photo or their, their drawing. And then we ended up printing out all these photos and then putting up a whole exhibition at the base. And we just used kind of materials that were in the basement, and it ended up being this really cool um, exhibition. And we had an opening night where we invited all the parents and the kids and people from the community, and they got to see all the, the kids in their dreams. And it was so cool because a lot of these kids live, um, they're in a very, like, hopeless situation. So they don't, have, they don't feel like they have a future. And so to speak into their dreams and to say, God loves you, God sees you, and wants you to pursue the dreams you have in your heart was, it was an awesome experience. 
So it's cool because we got to leave these photos there. And so they're at the base. And so the kids get to grow up and see them and get to be reminded of what they wanted to be when they were young. Some wanted to be Spider-Man, some mermaids. And then as they got older, I got a little more serious. Some wanted to be nurses and doctors, but we, God loves every dream. So, <laughs> Our next stop, we went to France, and um, we got to meet a lot of other people. We got to meet lots of refugees and got to actually be a part of opening up a brand new camp. We got to be a part of some other photo ministries where we'd print off free photos, but our afternoons we would spend in a refugee camp and um, got to do similar things where we printed off photos for the, the refugees with encouraging words on the back, and then we used that also as a tool to get to know their stories and did a whole project with them on um, what their occupations or what the things that they loved to do were when they were home in the past. And and then be able to kind of help them see that they have a future, and also the community to see that these people have um, lives, and they have, they have things that they love to do, and they are educated, and some, so many of our teachers and doctors and are super smart, but nobody knows about it. And so that was an amazing experience. It was so fun getting to know all these refugees, and um, a lot of them were from Sudan, like in Germany, a lot of them were families and little kids. But in France, a lot of African men, young men, get sent there. And so it was just, it was so cool to, to see even the, the people running the refugee camp to be like, um, so I'm kind of jealous of you guys because all the refugees, when you guys are gone, are like, where are the Americans? We want, we want to talk to them. And so it was really cool. Our last stop, we went to Norway, and that was kind of more of a fun adventure time, but it was beautiful, and got to work a little bit with some other coffee shop ministries that are going on. They invite refugees in and give them something to drink and, and invite them into the church and got to be kind of a part of that a couple of days, which was fun. But um, I, I loved being in Europe for our outreach, but I never expected to go there because when I thought of missions before going, I always pictured like third world countries and building homes. And although that's, it's amazing and that's, it's so good and we're going to hear more stories about that soon. Um, missions is everywhere and for everyone. And it, God wants to use everybody's gifts and the things that he's given to us for his purposes. And so that's, I think my biggest takeaway is that um, I just got to recognize the gifts God's given me, the gifts of art, the gifts of creativity, and just kind of get to surrender those over and say, I want you to use them. You know, I want to give back. I want to, um, I want to see what, what God can do with them versus me just holding on to them. And so I, I've loved this whole six months. It's been amazing. I'm so thankful because so many of you have supported me over this last six months, and I have I've loved and, and have been so excited to share with you what I've been doing. And so I, yeah, I'm just so thankful because I'm going to hold these experiences with me my whole life. So thank you. Thank you, Renee. Well, our second speaker today is Ben Farley. And Ben is a businessman. He's a realtor. And he's also a leader here at Evergreen of Financial Peace University. And um, in addition to that, though, and the most important thing, 
is that he's a husband and he's a dad of two little boys. And you could say that he has every reason to protect his schedule. And yet, God saw fit to interrupt it. And this is his story on video. I am husband, uh, father of two young boys, uh, fur father of two great dogs, and uh, a business owner. Homes of Hope is a ministry outreach program that's facilitated by Youth with a Mission, or YWAM. Um, and through the program, a family in need gets a, a home. As Christians, we're called to love God and others. And the uh, best part about that is uh, we all have our own unique take on that. Uh, our wiring, it tells us the how. You know, how do we love God and others? And, um, I don't know what mine is, so this was a great opportunity for me to go and try. This October was my third trip, and I keep going because um, it's amazing to see what an enormous impact you can make in someone's life in a really relatively short amount of time. It's an investment of three days of our time, and it's a lifetime of change for a family. You see pictures, you hear stories, you might watch moving videos, uh, but there's nothing like the experience of being there. And to go and see uh, the conditions that these families live in, uh, it was shocking to me. The before and after is, yeah, in some ways, breathtaking. That these people are living in, you know, in incredible poverty. Um, my first trip, the family was living in a house that had just been just barely tacked together with random pieces and parts. I mean, I'm talking uh, pallets, old doors, pieces of corrugated metal. I mean, just anything they could find uh, to piece together some kind of a shelter. Um, the second build I went on, they were living in what essentially would be considered a greenhouse. Uh, PVC pipe structure wrapped in plastic. And then the third family, the most recent one, they were living in a, I think maybe a 12 to 14 foot enclosed trailer. And um, it was so small that they had used sheet metal to build an addition onto the house for their, uh, their stove and uh, just absolute poverty. Um, this family that may have, you know, very little hope uh, one day, uh, a group of 10, 15, 20 people show up and in, in two days build them a house that is amazing compared to what they have. Uh, it might seem simple from uh, our perspective as a 16 by 20 house with drywall and basic electrical, no plumbing. Uh, this sounds simple, but uh, compared to what they are currently living in, it's a, it's a major impact for them. In regards to how this fits my purpose, um, as Christians, like I said, we're all called to love God and others. And the part that I don't know, I don't know what my how is. Um, I don't know what my unique twist is on loving God and others. So um, I feel that 
If we don't know what our how is, the best thing that we can do is pray about it and then try something, uh, take action, do something about it, try something new because you'll never know uh, what your fit is if you're just watching from the sidelines. I knew this was the trip for me because um, in my mind I had totally blown out of proportion how difficult it would be to do an international missions trip. I thought it's going to be expensive. I'm leaving my wife and my, well the first time I went I had a, a six month old. Um, I didn't think logistically or financially there was any chance that we could do this, but uh, I found all that to be uh, inaccurate. Another fear that I had to overcome was this uh, fear of uh, evangelism. I guess uh, I'm, I'm not terribly gifted with words and um, out of nowhere just speaking to someone uh, about God and my faith is, is somewhat intimidating and uh, that was a hurdle I had to get over but didn't know how and this trip uh, is a, taught me a beautiful way to do that is to get to serve this family and show the love of God without words. Uh, we're showing them with, uh, with our time and our action and uh, being God's hands and feet on the ground and uh, showing my love for them and God's love for them uh, through work with my hands. And for our third and final speaker today, it's going to be Stephen Crane. And Stephen is a dad and a husband. He has two daughters, and this has been a family affair for them, uh, doing stuff together in God's big world to make a difference. And one of the things that Stephen does is that he's one of our leaders in eKids. He works with grade schoolers, so AKA, that's called Surge and Vortex. And um, he's done that, and probably a little bit of some other things as well, um, when he's called upon. But he is a committed leader there of kids, helping kids find and follow Jesus. And today, he's here to share his story and journey. Stephen, would you welcome him with me? So first off, I just want to thank every one of you, because a lot of you have um, invested in the experiences that I'm about to share with you. So what's going on in Guatemala? Right now, in the community, the leaders, the leaders in the community, Food for the Hungry, and Evergreen, we're all partnering with the goal of the village being fully self-sustainable by addressing various needs within the community, like chronic malnutrition, clean water, and education. Our past teams here at Evergreen have helped to build two classrooms, uh, third on this last trip, and then installing clean water filters in each of the homes. Right here is a picture of one of the mothers um, cleaning her water filter so that it will last longer. And we've also been able to donate needed medical supplies to the village nurse and midwives. Right here is the village uh, midwives, and they were receiving the donation of OB kits. So, 
A lot of people have asked me why I chose to be part of this project. And at first, I just thought that it would be a cool way to grow my faith. Um, I didn't realize how much it would change everything. On that first trip, God used the kids in Chicalte to speak to my heart about what he created me for. And I realized that's loving on his kids here, near, and far. Um, in my short life, I've had a lot of horrible things happen to me. And it left me with this question of why God allowed those things to happen to me. Um, by going on these trips, I realized that God, um, well, not God, that those experiences have given me a heart and, and a passion for the most vulnerable. So how does this relate to my purpose? In order to explain this, I need to share a couple stories with you. The first is Juana. As you can see here, um, Juana really loves somebody, and that, that's Lisa. Um, <laughs> we've only been sponsoring her since June, and we've had the privilege of visiting with her twice. On this last trip, Juana's mom expressed a concern to us and asked us if we would talk to her about staying in the village. Because you see, for some kids like Juana in villages like Chicalte, coming to the United States seems like the solution to all their problems. Through the translator, we were able to um, explain the dangers of especially a little girl trying to come to the United States. That talk ended with our families praying together and then Juana agreeing to stay in Chicalte because she wants to see Lisa again. <laughs> so the next story I have for you is, is Marta. We also spark, uh, sponsor Marta and um, we've been doing so for two years. And in that time, we've been able to visit with her three times. Each time, she's been very quiet, shy, and reserved. Um, which is kind of to be expected. And, uh, but this time, they created a, a welcome sign for Grace and I. And um, I, right off the bat, I could tell something was different about Marta. She was more talkative. She even act, uh, asked me to sit next to her. And then um, at the end of each visit, we always give time for prayer. She got this huge smile on her face when we asked if they had any prayer requests. And her mom said to go ahead and tell me. And this little girl shared with me that when she wants to grow up, when she grows up, she wants to be used by God to do his work. And that she wanted me to pray for her. So I got down on my knee, eye level with this little girl, and I prayed for her heart to serve God. I walked away from her home. Um, and I just, I realized that, that that's why I help out in children's ministry here at Evergreen. That's why I go on these trips to Guatemala. Um, you know, the kids and adults in, in Guatemala have um, truly changed the way I look at this world, people, and and God. They have the most authentic faith and belief in God. They've truly humbled me with their giving hearts. They have so little, but yet they are so content with every single thing they have. On this last trip, um, 
we were getting ready to leave, and the uh, women in the community uh, whisked Grace off by herself and dressed her up in this traditional dress and then gave it to her as a gift, which brought Grace and I to tears. And they asked, why are you crying? And I, I explained to them, I said, I can't, I, I can't tell you how it makes me feel to see you loving on Grace. And then they turned around and they said, yes, we do, because that's exactly how we feel when we see you with our kids. Um, you know, you will hear a lot of people say that by sponsoring a child, you can impact their lives. But I hope that by hearing this story today, you realize that if you sponsor a child, it could very well change your life. Thank you. I know we just clapped, but would you join me once again in thanking these who took the time to share their stories with us? It takes a lot of courage. Well, each one of our friends have shared how he or she decided to say yes to an opportunity that came their way or that they learned about. And each one of them didn't know where it was going to take them. They didn't know what was going to happen next. They didn't have the end of the story at that point. They got to look back with us today. God has some amazing things planned for each one of us, for your life. And the thing is, he has plans for us for now, not just for later. As good as later is, and as good as the past may have been, he has things right now ready for us. And I want to encourage all of us today to say yes to his invitations. Because as Renee said so well, you're all included just the way you are, meaning he wants to use who you are to do his work in his world. It really can be something you like doing, something you enjoy doing, something you're gifted at doing. God can use that. And so let's agree together to do something. And we always ask this question at the end of any time where we've thought about and listened to God's word and the illustration of it told so well in the lives of these three people. What's your next step today? I want to just mention a few. Maybe you're here today and you're really, you've decided you're ready to get right with God. You didn't know these things about God, that he had good plans for you, that you're part of his creation, that he loves you dearly. Maybe it's just all about that for you today and you can make that decision just right where you're seated, you can just whisper to him, yes, yes, I believe in you, and I want to receive you. And he'll send his Holy Spirit to live inside of you. The best decision you could ever make. It's the one that launches you on these adventures that these three have shared about. But maybe today, your next best step is to repent of unbelief. You might go, whoa, Ann, that's kind of like harsh. <laughs> what are you talking about? Unbelief, that's when we don't believe that what God has said about us is true. We just heard today some amazing things that God has said about us, some amazing things that he has for us, and our part is to say, I believe, Lord, I'll say yes. And so I just want to encourage you today, it literally is a repentance. Lord, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry I haven't been believing you that I am a person you want to use. I'm sorry I've said no more times than I've said yes. 
And we can repent of that. Again, it's the same thing. Right where we're at, you can whisper that to God as we pray together in just a moment. But maybe today it's about, you know, I'm not very self-aware. I don't really, I don't really know what my gifts are. I'm not really sure how, what's inside of me to do, to make a difference. And Jared talked about this so well last week about how we can discover our spiritual gifts and how we can discover our strengths and our talents. And we can look at the skills that we've developed across our lifetime. But I want to encourage you today, if that's something you feel kind of behind the, the game on, you can get off the, the, the sidelines this week by talking with your rooted facilitator, another small group leader or spiritual mentor in your life, or make an appointment with one of us pastors. We'd be happy to get you started on that journey so that you can look for that link that Renee found between her love for art and photography and what God's people need in his big world, how those two could mesh together. Love to help you with that discovery. But maybe today, it's just time for you to do something. Something. Well, we have something for you. You picked it up on your way in. You know, a first step is always good. We are going to be doing Thanksgiving boxes, and today marks the beginning of our food collection. So I encourage you to take one. Take two. Think about the families that you'll get to bless through this and pray for. Think about volunteering at the food bank to distribute those. There's a lot of ways to do that. And this whole month of November, we're calling Giving with Gratitude, 3D Hope for People. And one of the things that we're going to be having starting next week in the lobby is sponsorship for Guatemala kids. Do you know we have 21 registered children still to be sponsored in our village? And so we would love to get all 21 of those kids sponsored. It has been our goal to have every child in Chicote sponsored. Jared and I have Elena. That's our second child that we've gotten to have. I just encourage you. It will change you. So those are some next steps if God's saying, do something uh, this week. There's some quick things you can do. Um, Would you pray with me? Jesus, just want to say thank you today for these three people who bravely and courageously said yes to your invitation. And then, Lord, they did something. They did something without knowing all the aftermath. And yet here we got to hear about it, and it was good. Help us to have courage this week, Lord. Help us to repent where we need to, to say yes where we need to, and, Lord, to start on a discovery journey to know ourselves better so we know how you want to use us more. Thank you, Lord, for helping us with that. And I pray for anyone here who's making a first-time decision to follow you, Lord. I pray that they just whisper those words to you right now and say, I believe, Lord. I want you in my life. I want life with you. I want to start the grand adventure. Thank you, Lord, for helping him do that. In Jesus' name, amen.